very good morning to you. We have a pungent smell in the town in County Galway. On the Bay, we'll be looking at that shortly. MEP Colin Markey joins us on today's programme. He's going to meet the European Parliament President, indeed, in about an hour's time, but he joins us just before that. We're also looking, indeed, at uh, Gulf International Rally with a young chef, and we're following a story in relation to fraudulent compensation claims. This now just puts the hair standing on the, the end of my head, I have to say. Not even the top of it. That and much more between now and 12 midday. Do stay with us all the way. A very good morning to you on this Friday. We are with you until noon. Simply, if you want to get through to us, you can do so uh, on today's uh, programme uh, to uh, 0917700077. And with thanks to Rationale Windows, you can text us to 086 38 and uh, they come in and we look at them and we tell you all about them and we broadcast them. So if you want to get uh, your details into us, 86 It's a bank holiday weekend as well, so you're doing something nice. Are you visiting Galway for the first time or the second time or the third time? Uh, let us know, please. Uh, John, the wonderful John McDonough, uh, who's a wonderful, absolutely wonderful man, uh, just was on to me last night. He said, Keith, the Chantilly Residents Association will hold their annual seniors party in the Clybone Hotel on Sunday, the 12th of February. All senior residents in Chantilly can collect their free tickets, uh, free of charge indeed, this coming Sunday, the 5th of uh, February at Chantilly Community Centre, Ash Road, between 2pm uh, to 4pm. And tickets for family and friends who would like to attend also will be available to purchase at €25 Euro each uh, at the same venue and at the same time. So, 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 if you want to go to the Chantilly annual uh, bash together, the Resident Association dinner together, you can collect them, again, free of charge, this Sunday, uh, the 5th at Chantilly Community Centre on Ash Road between 2pm and 4pm. And again, if family members want to go with you, €25, Euro, but John McDonough is there and uh, he would love to see as many people in the Clybone Hotel the following Sunday, the 12th indeed. So if you want to go along to that, enjoy it from there. Now, good morning to my first guest today because one councillor has hit out at ongoing issues of pungent smells of sewage in uh, Gort Town. Uh, councillor Joe Byrne joins me on the line today. Joe, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Keith. How are you? Oh, if Gort isn't getting enough of a pummeling with biogas and otherwise, um, what is this smell? Is it sewage? Absolutely, certainly sewage. Um, Keith, for 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 a for a quite an, a period of time now, I'd say certainly it's escalated in the past twelve months. I have had on numerous occasions got, and I'm sure other councillors have as well, got you know reports from of of serious smells in the town of Gort, not in any particular area, but in general places. Um, I've continually communicated or tried to communicate with Irish Water. Um, so to put it into context, I, I witnessed it myself before Christmas when sadly I had to stand in a queue for a funeral. And to be quite frank with you, um, I really needed to, to, to leave the location. It was it was pungent. Um, so in, in, in the town of Gort, in, in places like Church Street in particular, so businesses that have restaurants and the outdoor seating areas, I mean, at times it's, you couldn't have a cup of coffee outside your, your premises. Um, the cause of it, there's a number of issues. First of all, they initially thought that due to the ongoing works of a major housing development on the Tubber Road, 
that the, the wastewater treatment plant uh, was not at full capacity and that gases were effectively emitting into the system. Yeah. Now, that, that was allegedly dealt with. But even on George Street and, 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 and Bridge Street, um, in times of heavy rain, we get situations where manholes overflow because you have a combined system of sewage and, and surface water. But the fundamental problem is that, like this week alone, I'll keep, like yesterday and the day before, and Tuesday in particular, I was inundated with people ringing me up saying they had to close the windows of their house, their business. People that were sitting outside having a cup of coffee had to leave. And the, the problem is we're, we're getting no satisfactory response from Irish Water to, to even get a clear understanding, first of all, of what the problem is. Not, not to mind, mention the problem. But Joe, sorry not to cut across you, but I, 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 I've, I've checked the calendar every morning. We're in 2023 as we speak, so we're in mm. 2023 from a health and safety point of view to have such pungent smells. And I understand, but I mean, the image which I now have in my head is of a manhole being lifted because it's full and paper and other bits and sorts of offal coming out of it. And that's not right in 2023. No, and, I, and again, I don't want to be alarmist. But at, no, at and times it's breakfast time as well. But you don't want to make people <laughs> sick. Like. I, like I do know at times of very heavy rain, you, you have a combined surface water and a foul system from the Ennis Road section going down Georgia Street. So one can understand how the system maybe can be full of capacity at that time. But like manholes need to be fully sealed. They, they, they shouldn't allow anything come through at any time. But no. the big issue is, I think, technically, Keith, is there's, there's inadequate ventilation of the system in guard. So if you take the Kinbarra sewage system, for example, around the town and in certain locations, we have vents. There are pipes that go up maybe... 20, 30 foot into the air, and they vent the system in the event of gases not being able to emit. And that, that certainly would, should alleviate the problem. So I'm questioning the venting of the system on, on the network in Gorch. But, Keith, the other point in all this as well is that in our county development plan that we've just you know, released last year, there's plans to develop another 320 houses in Gorch in the next six years. And added to that, about 100 houses which have to be connected in the next six months. And and the real question is, have we an adequate Irish water system for the town of Gart to allow it to expand in accordance with our county development plan? So you're saying and 420 the, houses have to be added to this already full system? Well, it's, at, at times it can be full, but yes, yes is the answer. The system at times is at overcapacity due to parts of the system being combined. So what I mean by combined, Keith, is the rainwater goes into the system as well as the foul sewer, and that's no different to what's in Kinvara as well, by the way. But the Kinvara system is designed for that. So well, we, would, we a, would, a, would a simple thing, though, Joe, not be, and again, if you're, you're the engineer in this now, by the way, I'm not, but could you divert the rain system elsewhere and just leave the capacity within it uh, to the off all the sewage that's coming through it? Yeah, te- technically that, that, that could be done by providing a surface water system, but of course surface water doesn't come under the remission of Irish water, so they would say, that they, oh, for God's they sake. it's the legacy issue. <laughs> they don't do surface water. Hold on a they second. Do so, foul keep, so that's the problem. Okay, so surface water is what then? So surface water is what comes out. Surface water off. is rainwater. Yeah. Rain so water. where is that supposed to go and, then? Well, well, technically in in lot towns you've you've a, you've a separate system between foul sewage and surface water, but in Gort, the system is mainly combined, which means that all the surface and the foul effectively goes to the treatment plant where it's treated. So it's it's not a very efficient. So the rainwater is treated as well. Yeah, when it's mixed up with the foul. Yeah, yeah. That's another story for another day, Keith. Yeah, but it's... it's but it's, sure, all of, a sudden, the, all of a sudden, you know, the capacity is there. If you took the rain, like, 
the last couple of months yeah. has been such rainfall. If you divert the rainwater out to something else or into a turlock or otherwise, I mean, that's not contaminated until it goes into the sewage system. Then it's yeah, contaminated simple, and then you're processing. System. Yeah, look at a simple system, for example, to divert all the rainwater in the Innes Road and Gort, where there's a few hundred houses into the river, for example, would, would solve that problem because it's, it's fresh, clean water. But when you add this and you add it on top of the, the bile water notices and the inadequacy at the water treatment plant last year, you know, certainly Gort needs adequate attention from Irish Water and, and urgent attention, Keith, yeah. because certainly in the map, in, it is what I'm ringing about this morning, like one cannot put up with the pungent smells and it's, you know, I mean, I'm getting inundated with calls like others and we're trying to contact Irish Water and to be quite frank about it, we're getting a very, very unsatisfactory response. In other words, we're getting there, no response. There has been, there has, something has happened in Ishka era or whatever they're now called, they're still Irish Water to us and will be, but something has happened in the communications department. Up to about a year ago, the communications department uh, in Irish Water was absolutely superb. Some of the best people in the country working in it, uh, but yeah, I don't. It was, and, uh, and I don't know what's happened in the last year because you're saying you can't get this, you can't get that, you can't get the other. But I mean, there was some key people there that were on top of stuff in Irish Water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ironically, I think on the twenty third of December, I think councillors uh, Geraldine Donohue and Jerry Finnerty and myself had a had a, a teams call with Irish Water, and one one of the topics was actually the whole communication protocols. And I must say that in this particular situation with the sewage now, it is it is totally, because I've emailed them already this week and um, I've, I've had no response. And, you know, that's it's not good enough that a public representative um, is, is not responded to in a timely fashion and to give an outlay, outlay um, a proposal as to how they're going to do and deal with this problem. Because, to be quite frank, I mean, the farmers' market in Gort, if it's on today, you know, I mean, how could people in the square in Gort go to a market and this smell. And I mean, this smell is, is vile. Like it's yeah. sewage, Keith. Sewage. Yeah, and the sad thing is that if this was your plant at home or your septic tank at home, um, or anywhere in the county, and the council can come out and um, issue a notice indeed to sort it out. Um, but they can. Yeah, but that, and that's yeah, right. And, and it's, it's, That's fair and right to do so, it is as well. And yeah, I, and, and in fairness, Galway County Council carry out inspections on a regular basis on septic tank systems. And indeed, there are grants for, for people in, in part areas of our county who need to do septic tank upgrades, and that's very welcome as well. So, like, this, this is not a Galway County Council problem. This, no. this is an no. Irish water problem. And I suppose I'm hoping this morning, Keith, by talking to you and raising awareness again about it. That's, you know, Irish water common. And, and, you know, I've, 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 I've a motion put forward to our next municipal district meeting that, that they carry out a, a thorough investigation into the overall sewage system in Gort to, to, to sort out the issues of pungent smells, but also to, to have a look at the system for the next six years because Irish water is part of our county development plan, wrote to Galway County Council, which I questioned, by the way, and said that there was an adequate sewage system in Gort to cater for over 300 houses in the next six years. And like I, I, I'd really have to question. But there is, there is. If you take the rainwater out of it, so let's let's throw it back out to them again. But I mean, th- there's been some key people there uh, that I must make contact yeah. with after the program that were in communications, yeah, yeah. and I just find out where are they now because they were excellent. I mean, they were they were top of their game, I have to say. But something has yeah. Gone there was skin. one particular individual, and I, it might be inappropriate to mention his name on on the airwaves, but he he was excellent up to. But I, I I've seen him. He's gone off radar completely. Up to about that's a year Sean, and a half ago. That's I'd Sean, say. is it? Sean Corrigan. Sean yeah. Corrigan, yeah. One, one, of the, one of the best like in the country. Ever. Yeah, and he, he was regularly on your program, Keith, yeah. talking about good infrastructure work. But like since then, it's just communication zero, really, you know. And oh. if people understood and they were communicated with, then, you know, 
you know, they may, they may feel uh, yeah. that there's going to be something sorted but at the moment. The, the, the smell continues intermittently. Uh, at, you know, no, no announcement to it. It just happens. Okay. Uh, it's a vile smell and thanks for taking the we'll, let me speak on this key. we won't solve it today but it's not nice and it shouldn't continue that's uh, Councillor Joe Byrne joining us there about that pungent smell in um, of sewage um, is it sewage or sewage because I'm constantly getting given out to if I call it sewage because that's what I've grown up with uh, I'm given out to and then it's sewage or sewage what is it uh, anyway the comment line is uh, 0917700 our thanks to the team in Rationale Windows 086 Galway Tones, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. A very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. It's a very busy day for the Commission and the Parliament, indeed, the European one. I'm joined on the line by Fine Gael MEP Colin Markey, and he's welcomed the outcome of a vote in the European Parliament yesterday to improve the rights and working conditions of platform workers, such as food delivery drivers, and he joins me on the line today. MEP Markey, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us uh, today. What exactly happened in the European Parliament yesterday in relation to those platform workers? Well, there was a, a legislation or a proposal passed through the Parliament yesterday to uh, recognise the rights of platform workers. I suppose many people working in that area, there's approximately 28 million people across Europe working as platform workers, and many of them don't have any proper rights at all. They like a sick pay, they like a holiday pay, or even parental leave, things like that. They essentially are just working day to day and they have no long-term commitment or no long-term rights. And then alongside that, I suppose the other side of it is that they're really they're operated by an algorithm. They don't really have a boss, and for many of them, it's just they're, they're, it's, it's the system that decides their fate. And there's one of the things that was agreed yesterday that anyone is entitled to have, a, a, if you like, a, a human interaction in terms of the decision making as regards to work. And uh, like so, so they are the two main areas, I suppose. As I say, there's a lot of people involved in this area. There's about five point five million people uh, across Europe who very, if you like, dubious status in terms of their their position, their, their work status, if you like. How do you mean that their work is determined by an algorithm? Well, essentially, they work they work for, for, for a platform, and that platform is operated by an algorithm. Like, there was a story from Italy where, sadly, a, a gentleman had died and was fired by the algorithm two days later, like, so there's just no personal interaction. They sign up and they operate through the rules of the algorithm. And the other thing people find is they don't even know what it's measuring. So they don't know how how their performance is measured. So that's very much, it's, it's there's no human element to it and it's very disconnected. So for, for people in that situation, it's one thing to be the algorithm, but also the fact that they have no proper worker rights, if you like. So there's, there's there's two major issues, really, in relation to it. And is this purely in transportation, then, where they go to, they pick up something in point A, they go to point B, which could be in France, uh, they, they drop in point B, then they pick up something in France and they bring it back to point C. So they're, they're, they're on the road, they're doing a job, but there's no human interaction with them. Well, essentially, it's, it's right down to your simple, your, your, your Uber or your Just Eat or your delivery drivers. All those type of people who are actually just, you know, working like they're, they're, they're working from a platform that, that wants like organised for deliveries like that. And they just 
get the get the order and they they deliver it. So it's that them sort of simple people that are dropping in your pizza or right there or even your Uber driver or that. All of those are, are basically all set up on that sort of a system. So they're all worked off, a, 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 if you like, a, a platform, and that's so th- there is no interaction. You're just working for the platform. It's very difficult for them the way you outline it, and I actually never thought of that. And I can see them going around Galway City and Dublin City uh, on a constant basis on their bikes and otherwise. But I never actually thought of the um, the person underneath that, and it's an algorithm that tells them where their next paycheck is coming from. Absolutely, it's probably part of what's called the bigger gig economy, which is ultimately it's, it's around about like short term contracts, so short term uh, pay. It's like if you did the principal comes from the, uh, gigging, you know, like 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 concerts or that. So yeah, you just it, it's night to night. You work within the gig economy. Well, the platform worker is essentially the same. It's very much short term. It's working for the system. It's not necessarily working for a boss. There's no if you get sick or unwell. There's no one there. No no human factor to consider your situation or take account of your circumstances. It's just you know. There's no understanding from a machine, if you know what I mean. So there's no immediate line managers that you can call into and say, by the way, I'm not feeling well today, I'm going to the doctor and I'll have that certificate. So what does yesterday's directive mean for them? Well, it basically means that, well, one thing is that they, there's a whole issue around being self-employed or being an employee. So there's the right to choose whether they wish to be self-employed and continue with those circumstances or the right to, to, to choose to be an employee and then have then workers' rights as an employee. So that's the real difference. It gives, it puts the rights, the, the rights in the, in the hands of the employee as to whether they make that choice, whether they want to be that, that independent, self-employed person worked by, by the, the uh, algorithm, if you like, or they can choose to be an employee and then have employee rights like sick pay or holiday pay or parental leave or all the various things, social insurance or all the various things that you would be entitled to as a full-time employee. And are these employees paying tax, can I ask you? Well, they would pay tax. Uh, they would pay tax on the basis of, like, they, on, on a week-to-week basis. But, like, as a self-employed person, they would they would have to declare their own taxes. So uh, I'm just not fully sure what the scenario is there, but my understanding would be that as a self-employed person, it's, it's their own responsibility to file their own tax returns. So I suppose there is a grey area there in terms of how, that, how that's operated, but I, 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 I'll reserve comment on that because I'm not just 100% sure what, what the scenario was there. All right. Um, can I just talk to you about the European Parliament President, Roberta Metzola, is in Dublin, and you're about to meet her in, in about an hour's time, so you are from there. Um, her visit seems to have been extremely um, positive, and she was very positive right across the board uh, when she met the Taoiseach and the uh, Thornish and, and others from there. And then on the other side, you've got the President of the Commission, Ursula van der Leyen, and... Um, her colleagues and commissioners indeed in Ukraine, in Kiev today, in a war zone. We're in different times, MEP Markey, at this stage. We're in completely different times. And you think that we've come through, if you like, the recession in this country, and then we had COVID, and we had Brexit and COVID, and now we have a war. It's been one constant. It's been a decade of challenge and change, and we're probably in the most deepest part of it at the moment. Like, everything in terms of... Like uh, you only have to look at the immigrant situation or the refugee situation. You you look at the energy costs. You look at the security of people in Ukraine and the the, the ter- terrible shocking situation that they're facing. So it really, really is a difficult situation. And I suppose from a European perspective, we 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 have to see what we can do to support what what ultimately was a 
an innocent country trying to get on about its own business and, and was was so brutally uh, attacked, if you like. And, like, certainly it is, it's incredibly difficult times in so many different ways. And I suppose the fact that First of the Line is in, in Ukraine this week is just, it's, I suppose, it's showing a bit of solidarity and support in, in yet another way in relation to that. And are they safe there? I mean, it, it, it just came across my mind every time I saw the TV footage coming in. Are they safe? Because we've seen we've seen grandiose pictures coming in on the TV of hotels and conference rooms and all of that. And then every other night we've been seeing uh, bombed out buildings in and around the area. I know security is very high, um, but it's a risky business being there. I mean, all we all they need is uh, Mr. Putin to do something silly, and I know they're well protected. But well, I certainly would not like to be in that position. No, I think anyone that goes to Ukraine at the moment, certainly there is an element of risk in it. I think keys in fairness is probably seen less of the, the impact of the war than further east in the Ukraine. So at that level, it probably is, is so, it's probably that little bit safer. But there's always the risk of like missiles or the like. And like, to be fair to the people around Ukraine, they're, they're getting on with some element of a normal normal life. Obviously, uh, like the like of power and water supplies and everything like that have been has been patchy at best. But I think it, to be fair, the, the real the real difficulty is further east in the country, where, mm. where, the, where the closer you get to the front line, and and there it is particularly challenging. I think the parts of it have been quite badly decimated. And do you believe there'll be some further sanctions? And do you believe that their um, access and their entry into Europe uh, fully for Ukraine will be expedited? I think, look, the, the fact that Ukraine has been given accession state status, I think, is is critical. It, it puts it on a path, but I think the reality is uh, it's probably going to take a number of years for, for Ukraine to, 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 to reach that standard. And I think we just, it, it, it's a tricky situation. Like, if you, if you, if you expedite Ukraine's entry into the EU, well, then the EU ultimately is in a war with Russia. And while we, while we want to support Ukraine and uh, in whatever way we can, you just have to be careful that you wouldn't escalate the situation further. Ultimately, there's accession state status. That's a process that has to be worked through, and it will take a number of years in, in normal circumstances. And I suppose Ukraine can be prioritised. But uh, I think it's more in the in the short term. It's more about supporting Ukraine in whatever way Europe can, and ultimately signal the intention that Europe, Ukraine, is part of Europe into the future. I think that's what accession status does for us. And I think basically, uh, in the short term, we have to focus more towards just ensuring that we we give Ukraine whatever support we can. So you're concerned that if it was expedited in any way, that it could antagonise Russia even more because they would perceive it as being the whole of Europe being against Russia and then other member states close to Russia could be vulnerable then? Well, absolutely. And the reality is then you've, you've, you've at that stage, you've an EU state under threat and there's a responsible responsibility for all the rest of the states to to get actively involved. It just it just ranks it up to another level and mm. it, like it escalates the tensions and the risks and, and the responsibilities and really I think as much as we want to support Ukraine as much as we can, there's no point in making the situation worse and I think whatever support we can give them in the current situation the, the accession state status there's countries that have accession state status for 20 years and still aren't members of the EU mm-hmm. like it doesn't it, it isn't an automatic process and there's certain things that have to be overcome and indeed other countries 
that we've good, we enjoy good support with at the minute that our accession state status they're standing saying hey, so we've been in the queue and now we've been left behind so there are a number of considerations there but I think the key message is once uh, that accession state status was granted only last year uh, it, it's a clear message that uh, Europe wants Ukraine to be part of its future and we can work towards that over the months and years ahead and hopefully as part of that we can bring this conflict to as, as quick a conclusion as possible Finishing on a positive note, I mentioned uh, the European Parliament uh, President, indeed, Roberta Metzola. Uh, she spoke very positively in the last 48 hours about how Ireland has received the Ukrainians into Ireland and others, indeed, seeking asylum uh, in Ireland. And uh, you get to meet her in approximately an hour's time. Yeah, yeah, well, I know Roberta quite well. I've engaged with her a good lot in the Parliament and she is a very charismatic character and I suppose she also comes from a small country like Ireland in Malta. So she's aware, they actually have a similar uh, electoral system as Ireland as well. So she's very much aware of what politics in Ireland is like and what it is to be a small country within the EU. And I think, to be fair, she's she's been a great role model for the Parliament over the last year or so. I'd certainly think, I'd be delighted to be meeting her again this morning and uh, it's great to have her in Ireland and it's great to hear the positive comments from her in relation to, I suppose, how Ireland has come back from the recession a number of years ago and, and, and if you like, the positive contribution Ireland has always made at European level as well. MEP Markey, thank you indeed for joining us today on the programme and enjoy the rest of your day and have a good bank holiday weekend. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. A very good morning. She welcome into today's uh, program. The comment lines are all open if you want to get the truth to us uh, on 0917700077. If you want to get through to us uh, today, that's 0917700077. Just bear with me one second. And let me go to Jaden, who joins me on the line today, uh, because uh, Jaden is taking part in the North Professional Student Chef of the Year competition on the 9th of February. He's an ATU student indeed, and uh, the heat in the kitchen is quickly rising as he prepares to uh, take part in the uh, Student Chef of the Year 2023 uh, competition. Jaden, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Good, thanks for joining us uh, today on the program. Are you nervous, Jaden? Um... I wouldn't be, I would be lying if I said um, I wasn't. So the, the pressure, the pressure is on from there, so it is. When, oh, when, yeah. Now, the event is taking place on Thursday, the 9th of February in Dundalk Institute of Technology. And, and are, are you up against many, Jaden? So I'll be up against 10 of, um, 10 other uh, culinary students from all over the country. Uh, so you have a one in ten chance, but I mean you're coming out of ATU and the training in ATU is is really top class, and they've had great successes in the past on this. So hopefully you're hoping to have the great success as well. Oh yes, uh, we've been practicing for the last few few weeks uh, nonstop, and we're really looking forward to seeing how we get on. Now, don't fully tell me what you're doing, but can you give me a hint? And otherwise, we don't want the other nine fellas to hear about this, or fellas and ladies to hear about this. Um, we're doing very classical dishes, a bit of a modern approach, a very modern approach. Um, we're taking um, inspiration from uh, from my culture and bring it into the 21st century. Basically, we're doing food from. Ukraine and food for France and we're going to see what we can do with it. Now your surname, if I get it right, Mascara has 
Mascarenhas. Where are you from? Mascarenhas. And where are you from, can I ask you, Jaden? Um, I'm Indian originally. I grew up in Dubai. And, yeah. Wow. And how, did you, how, college. how did you get to, our, to uh, Galway then? Sorry. Could you repeat that, please? How, how did you arrive in Galway then, can I ask you? I, I moved here for college in September of 2021. Good on you. And, yeah. Good on you. Are you, would you be confident because you've obviously you have good, great experience and great education underneath you. So would you be fairly confident going into this? Um, yes, we'd be good. confident, but we, we have to be, um, we have to be wary of the other competitors. Yeah. Uh, will there be many traveling with you um, to Dundalk on the 9th of February? Yes. So I have, um, Anna Larry and, uh, and Sadie from GMIT, who are my lecturers, who have been brilliant so far. And um, Adam Walsh is going to be helping me as well at the competition. Good. And um, so, you know, it's it's next Thursday, so you have a week from yesterday. Uh, so can you switch off over the bank holiday weekend or will you still be practicing? And oh, no. Oh, no, we're flat out over the weekend. And do you need someone to eat it um, at, at this stage, or to taste it, Jaden? Because we've a plethora of lads here that could go up for the weekend and to eat you and taste it for you if you want it. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'd love to have a few people taste the food. Oh yeah, they're queuing up outside now, so yeah. they're yeah, they're hu- <laughs> they're hungry beasts, these male lads. So they are. Um, but oh, listen, <laughs> but enjoy it, and you've you've a lovely story to tell, and. Um, you're currently working in the Huntsman in Galway City, so you are there. I am, yes. I they're, am. They're a mighty family, so they are, and they're a mighty, they have a great product there as well. So you have a lot going for you. Yeah. You really have a lot going for you. So listen, will you let us know how you get on and maybe join us the following Monday? We won't ask you to come in on Friday the 10th now, but maybe the following Monday you come in and you can show us what you made and... Uh, let us know how you got on from there because I love to see people uh, in the culinary art side of things doing very, very well. We've, we're blessed with some of the finest people in the world uh, here in Ireland and you're another one that we're adding to our list, Jaden. so no pressure. Thank you very much. All right. Listen, you mind yourself. Um, and so Anna's going with you, Sarah's going with you and Adam is going to be helping you. Anne, Sadie and uh, Adam, yeah. Sadie, sorry, Sadie, not Sarah. Yeah. S-A-D-I-E. And uh, Adam then. So is Adam going to be your assistant on the day? Yes, yeah, so we have an hour prep uh, where we're going to get everything ready for the competition, get everything weighed out and uh, as to make it as efficient as uh, as efficient as possible for me to... Um, to create. For me to compete. Um, absolutely. But you see, I suppose you're used to the... And the training kitchens there in AT are absolutely fantastic but you're used to it. Listen, thank you, Jaden, and we'll see you on Monday week. Win, lose, or draw, you come into us. And thanks for joining us uh, today. There you go. That's Jaden joining us uh, there. And uh, born in India, reared in Dubai, and now in ATU in Galway. Let me go to line two, because I was reading the online version of the Irish Independent quite early this morning, and there was a story on it in relation to Supermax uh, Chief Executive Pat McDonough, and he is hit out indeed. Uh, it says personal injuries claims against the restaurant chain was dismissed after the plaintiff re- um, failed to appear in court and he has criticised the culture of settling injury claims outside court uh, as the seven-year case was thrown out. Uh, Pat, 
well done for sticking with this. Good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. You stuck with it, so you did. And this settling on court, um, legal teams coming together and all of that, um, it, it's, it doesn't help people's insurance and uh, when the claims are settled like that. Well, uh, no, this this was the case as I said, this, when seven, it was seven and a half years ago the, the alleged um, accident occurred. And it was always dubious in our uh, minds at the time. We, it wasn't reported actually straight away. Um, and a couple of months later, we get the solicitor's letter on it. So when we tracked back actually and looked at the CCV um, uh, on the night, uh, it was race night, uh, ladies' day in Galway of the races, and uh, it was about 2.30 or so in the morning. And uh, when we traced back uh, on it, it, it um, the alleged accident didn't look like an accident. Um, the lady kind of w- went down and got up and left uh, without without asking for any help or without any intervention from anybody. But at any rate, uh, then when the engineering uh, inspection took place as to where she fell, she couldn't recall exactly where she fell. And, um, you know, so it was, it was different areas pointed out which wasn't the actual location of the, of the claim. So, um, uh, as I say, then there was uh, medical reports, and then there were, uh, you know, they, they weren't correct either. And, and, and a lot of them, in fairness, they, they did, didn't find anything. Uh, so, um, yeah, we it went on and on and on. Of course, uh, you know, it was gathered uh, momentum, and then uh, we were asked would we settle it for small money um, a few days before the the, the the case was to be heard, and I wouldn't agree to it. And in fairness, the insurance company uh, stood by me on that one, and um, uh, we said we'll let it run and see what happens. So, uh, at any rate, it was on call for whatever it was Wednesday week there, and last Wednesday, yeah, last Wednesday week in Galway, and nobody showed up, so a uh, case had to be thrown out. But the difficulty with that is, we incurred costs. Uh, our chances of, of of collecting those costs are pretty pretty low. Uh, we've an excess on the policies or whatever, and it's, it's, it's not yeah. just that; it's all the time you spend and all our manager's time and and and, and, and company time investigating, etc. Um, and and uh, you know our chances, I would say, of of getting the cost back are limited because this lady lives in London, and um, I'm sure, even though she's from Galway originally, um, I'm sure she's not going to come back and pay our costs. But at any rate, that's the situation. But Apart from that, Keith, uh, what's going on in the courts is is is, is, is amazing at times because, and I'm not, uh, I mean, this is an industry and there's a lot of people benefiting from it. It's mostly the legal profession, but also you have uh, insurance brokers, you have uh, insurance companies, you have indeed, um, uh, you have indeed engineers and medical profession, etc. Mm. So it's an industry that's going on. But uh, sometimes, as I say, you know, there are some excellent judges out there. I wouldn't have any fault with them whatsoever. But some of the 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 um, judgments, I suppose, uh, I've seen over the last twelve months um, are, are uh, uh, what I would call um, unusual. Yes. I suppose is the best way to put okay. it because because in a situation, and this one got a lot of publicity there a couple of months back. Uh, in a situation where somebody either, in, in this particular case, the, the, the lady said the chair broke and she fell on the floor. Now the chair did crack, but she didn't fall on the floor. She kind of slumped forward. 
and she just moved from one chair to the other. But in the, uh, uh, in the affidavit she swore she fell on the floor. Now, they went twice to the courts to, to get CCTV after the affidavit was made, and they didn't succeed. Mm. But yet, on the day of the court, the lady said she she couldn't remember. Now, first of all, if you fall on the floor, you know you fall on the floor. And secondly, if she couldn't remember, her sister and mother were sitting opposite her that could have reminded what exactly happened. Um, but uh, she got um, awarded, and, and thirdly, then the, the, the medical uh, uh, profession or doctor who examined her wasn't the guy that gave evidence on the day. And our uh, consultant, a very prominent consultant in Galway, uh, said there could be no more than soft tissue injury from what he had seen on the CCTV. Yet she was awarded 18,000. Yeah. And the reason she was awarded 18,000 was so that the uh, legal profession would get circuit court costs. Um, because if it was anything okay. less than 15,000, it would be district court costs. Um, so I believe yeah. a lot of that at the moment where the costs uh, are based on what the legal profession gets as opposed to what the claimant gets. We won't. We won't solve it today, unfortunately. I have to leave it, Pat. But I mean, the situation is that it's a bigger conversation that needs to be had right across the board on this one. Uh, but I commend you for, for sticking up for this one. Pat, sorry, I have to leave it there. I know you're busy after 10 as well, but thanks indeed for joining us uh, today. I'm going to come back to this next week on the programme because it's a bigger story. And uh, we will come back to it next week on the programme. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie.